0: Where might you be able to slow down the pace in your life right now? Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain. I'm your host, Steph, and this is a show that dives into health and healing and wonders how we can show up well for the responsibilities and the opportunities that life sends our way. Thanks so much for choosing to listen. Okay, so full just disclosure right up front. When I listened back to yesterday's episode, I was so acutely aware of just how, um, under-skilled or at least under-practiced I am as it relates to dealing with technology. And honestly, pre-COVID, I didn't even know how to do most of the online things, so COVID was very generous in helping me figure things out. But it did not help me figure out how to podcast, so that is just kind of a brand new skill. And I do feel like the quality of yesterday's episode, um, at least, you know, we're our own harshest critic, but it was really, really disrupted technologically, and that's because I am a beginner and... Um, I'm also a recovering perfectionist. And so I wanna share with you a little bit of my process um, in kind of saying, yep, launch the episode even though uh, it was mediocrity at best related to technology, but I think the content was on point and that was okay with me. But the reason I chose to share was uh, several years ago, we had a very learned man, a a mental health advocate, come to school, come to our high school to do an assembly for our um, seventh through 12th graders on the importance of sleep. And there was a technological mismatch. He had very upgraded new equipment and the uh, the school had maybe less updated equipment to operate from. And so for about the first 10 to 15 minutes of our assembly time, they were trying to um, trying to sync up the technology, and it just didn't work. Students were getting restless. People were kind of, you know, eye, side-eyeing each other, like, what's going on here? And then um, the admin came up and said, hey, you know what, go and uh, take a break. Um, we'll get technology sorted out, and then everyone come back in about 10 minutes, and we'll get the assembly launched. And so we left, and we come back, and still there is uh technology and compatibility and you could just tell the speaker was getting very frustrated because his expectation was to come in, do his presentation and leave and it was supposed to be a seamless process. However, the reality did not match up to that. And I kind of had the audacity to <laughs> to 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 reframe it and to kind of silver line it and say, oh man, what I love here is that our students watch and I'm using air quotes here, but watched you know a failure. I didn't perceive it as a failure. I hope he didn't feel like it was a failure. But I said, our students get to watch this, this quote failure and notice that you're still okay and we're still okay and and the world moves on. And I said, I just think that's the coolest life lesson. Like we all learned so much today, even if um, we, we didn't get to see your presentation. And, you know, that was kind of running yesterday as I was, uh, as I was listening to the episode and I was kind of cringing and like, Oh, this is not okay. This is, this is pretty, um, subpar. Um, again, it it is what it is, but, um, I, I just said to myself, Hey, if, if, you can silverline it for other people that they should take ownership of their experience and they should not feel embarrassed and they should just you know chalk it up to hey stuff happens well then you've got to do that as well and you're allowed to be a beginner and I know I have quite a few students that are kind of tuning in curiously you know what's going on what's she doing with this podcast and um, you know I, I definitely want to model for them that uh, I can be a learner too and if I put out this nice polished product at the front end maybe that's intimidating for others who want to you know start up something that feels important to them. And to that end, I also asked my um, abnormal psych college kiddos this last term to I do call them kiddos, I, I know they're adults, and, and that's just kind of the word that I use. It's a very safe word. Um, But that being said, some of them end up being older than me, and and, and then it gets weird. But we're going to move right through that. Um, I asked them to put together some sort of psychoeducation for their community, uh, whether there's a church community, whether there is a school community they're serving, whatever that looks like, put together something that's mental health informed and put it out to their community. And so they were so creative. It's the first time we had done this project because it was a new class. And I had students doing mental health awareness TikTok videos, and they were putting together uh, pamphlets to distribute, or they were putting together, um, uh, there were some YouTube videos, there was uh, some Insta posts, there was just so many cool things that these students went out and did for the first time, and then I was on the, you know, the And of trying to grade that and trying to hold them accountable um, for going out and being beginners, and so I I do want to model that for people. This, at best, is rough, and over time, hopefully, it improves. I do have several mentors. I plan on kind of bending their ear over the next week, and you know, giving them an SOS and saying, "Hey, help! Uh, This is a bit more rough than I'd like it to be." But for right now, I think that's okay, and um, hopefully, grace on your end and self grace on my end, and hopefully, content is a okay. Speaking of content, we're going to dive into today's topic and the place I want to spend a little bit of intentional time here is talking about our pacing and how our pacing is going to be really a catalyst for generating a lot of anxiety or energy with our anxiety, or we can use it in a more healthful way and our pacing can be one of the ways to really push back against anxiety. And today's probably going to be spending more time on the why our pace needs to change. And then tomorrow I want to spend some time on strategies and some of the kind of the psychoeducation pieces with it um, because our brains and our bodies do really cool things when we can, um, you know, channel energy in a more appropriate way. But over the last couple weeks, there's been uh, three anecdotes with clients that really stick out to me where pacing was paramount. We had to really kind of wrap ourselves around the most healthful way to engage the current uh, crisis that they were in. And so for my first client here, she is, um, you know, she's in her 20s and she was part of a a living arrangement where there were, you know, five or six of them living in a house. They were doing everything according to kind of best practice. But the landlord was doing something pretty hinky behind the scenes. And unfortunately, they were told in very short order, hey, your lease is not going to be able to be renewed again. You're out in 60 days. Um, You should actually be out before then because this isn't sanctioned as an appropriate living space for renters. And so when she came in, she was absolutely heightened about, um, this is a crisis, what do we do? And as she was trying to tell me all of the different problems with this scenario, obviously there's a lot of anxiety running because there's, number one, a lot of things out of her control. And two, there's just, she's sitting in a space where there's so many unknowns because she's at the front end of this particular crisis. So the first thing I asked her was to give me a timeline of what we had to work with. And I think we came down to it, it was about 70 days before um, they had to be out of the the dwelling and into a new um, construct, whatever that looked like. And then I said, okay, what I would understand is there's five or six of you living there together now. What do you want the next chapter to look like? Do you assume that all five or six of you are going to move out together and have to find a house that, that is compatible for five or six people? And she hadn't really thought through the logistics of, does she want to move out alone? Does she want to move out with just her best friend from the house? Does she want to, you know, be tied down to another five or six people in a new household? Um, She was really unsure of that. So before we could move forward with any sort of, you know, clarity of what happens next, she had to kind of sit in the mulling through her options and we can't even pick a house. We can't even pick a location if you don't even know who you're going to want to live with, you know, 65, 70 days from now. And so that, that was our starting point. And I said to her, I said, okay, we have 70 days. Um, I'm going to see you again in a week. Would it be fair for you to come in next Monday with a clear understanding of who you would like to move forward with? So she went home that week and she put together pros and cons lists of if I moved out alone, if I moved out with one person, if I moved out with a group of three, if I moved out with all five or six of us. And she came back and was able to at least wrap herself really well around the understanding that she wanted to move out with just her best friend. And then we were at 63 days and I said, okay, so your next task, I would wonder, is do you guys want to live in a house? And do you want to live in an apartment? Do you want to you know, live in someone's basement, you know, there, there are copious amounts of options, but then we can start to piece together some, some more of the logistics. And then once she decides on which, um, type of housing she wants, then I, you know, asked her to think about, okay, so over this next week, do you want to live on the north side or the west side or the east side or the south side of Grand Rapids? Start thinking through some of the geographic implications related to your job, that sort of thing. So in our particular therapeutic alliance, Um, it it was such an overwhelming kind of big thing in her life that someone had taken away her choice points. Someone had imposed this, um, you know, big rupture in her life. And of course she was overwhelmed by that. Um, What we were able to do is slow things down enough to where she then felt some control. She felt she had some choice points and it was my, my task to just help her organize herself around that. And the goal was just to give permission to take one step at a time. Now, with a second client, um, this is someone who had kind of two uh, themes running in tandem. One is that she was trying to complete a class that was bringing just a ton of stress into her life. So it was a class she wasn't all that excited about. um, And there was a lot of expectations that felt very uncomfortable to her. And the, the class had about three weeks left. She's also navigating the idea of does she want to move in with someone, and that's going to be kind of more of a three-month um, plan that she has to decide. And so, you know, she has this this deadline that three weeks from now I need to complete this particular thing. Three months from now I need to have this um, this particular. Next move figured out, and so when I when I talked with her about the class, I said I can see that that's really stressing you out. It, you you you're presenting is very overwhelmed, and um, I think that's definitely taking a lot of your focus, a lot of your energy. And so I said my concern is you're in this kind of really intense period for these next three weeks. I would wonder if you have as much clarity and discernment as you need for making a decision that's going to be going on three months from now. And that is one of the pieces that we have to work with clients so often on is not making big decisions in a season of high stress if you don't have to. And so I'm going to use the phrase, I gave her permission, not because she actually needs my permission, but because that's the alliance that we have where um, she does... Really heavily consider the things that I say to her. And she often doesn't give herself much of a much grace or much of a break. And so I gave her permission to stop with the second decision until the first thing had come to completion. So I I just said to her, I wonder if maybe you don't have the resources right now to be as clear headed about the roommate decision as you might want to be. And I said, I do, I do see you in a month. And so by then the class will be over. I said, I wonder if I have your permission to bring this up in a month. Month, and we can we can talk about what a good path forward is at that point in time And I could tell that she felt a lot of relief there and it is one of those things where we have to walk with many clients Remember a lot of clients will come and see us in in periods of high transition and high stress so where there's been big loss in their life and Categorically those are just not good seasons to make big decisions in um, If we're talking to someone who has lost uh, Like lost a spouse and and they're coming in, you know Six weeks later and they're convinced they should go sell the house we really try to talk with them. If it's not absolutely financially pivotal, it is not a good time to decide to sell your house. When we're talking to people post-divorce and they are, you know, barely filing paperwork and they're jumping into a new relationship, we we really emphasize with them just how much collateral damage can happen if you are not um, taking care of yourself well during a season of grief and during a season of uh, stress and high transitions. And so, you know, there are there are grieving periods. There are rituals. There's healing that has to take place. Making decisions in high stress situations should be avoided, um, if they are unnecessary to make, um, so rapid fire. So that was, uh, in her story, just being able to slow things down enough and say, Hey, let's table this for a couple weeks. Let's come back together when this season of stress is over. And then I think we'll have more energy to really invest in good decision-making. And then the last anecdote is more of a relational one. So, um, I have a husband and wife that I work with and, um, um, she categorically is a rapid fire decision maker and he is a an incredibly slow processor and it takes him you know weeks to get moving and it's one of those things where um, there's probably more rapid fire on her end because there's so much feet dragging on his end and they don't have like a good balance or a good process worked out about how to engage change and so what we worked through together was before we make any big decisions you know because she has an idea and she's pulled the trigger before the idea is fully formed. Um, and then he's really just caught off guard and kind of deer in the headlights and whoa, this is all too fast. What we talked about is, is it fair or does it make sense in their relationship to sleep on it? And you and I both know that uh, high pressure sales pitches really, really get ticked off when we try a sleep on it method, right? Because often um, impulse and emotion kind of dwindles over a couple days and logic kind of reigns, at least hopefully for most of us. Um, and so, Sleeping on it can often um, stymie some of the um, impulsivity that some of us run with. And so we tried to come up with a process in their marriage that was both, you know, reverent of her desire to be a kind of just a force of nature and a fast-moving person, but also reverence that he was a very slow processor and he needs time to get comfortable with situations. And so the process that we kind of negotiated together was if if she comes up with an idea that feels um, really big, is he able to say, hey, can we table it and we will come back in a week now, the week is not spent avoiding the conversation. The week is not spent, um, you know, just totally negating the responsibility of the decision making. The week is spent kind of processing through what are the pros, what are the cons, and how can we move forward without emotion being the, the sole impetus for the next action. And that is what the gift of time really can do for people. And um, when you're in relationship, you really do have to be considerate of the, of the fact that whomever you're in relationship with is going to have their own speed and their own style. And if you're the rapid fire person, you might be doing yourself a favor, the relationship a favor and and the partner a favor by working on slowing things down a little bit. So today was more about the why we should slow down and tomorrow will be more about the how we can slow down. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. You are welcome to follow along with me at the Healing Through Pain Facebook page. Um, I look forward to chatting with you again. Thanks for any time you spent listening.